0: To have a good harvest, one must plant good seeds and must also use the right kind of fertilizer. The carrots have grown large and firm. How good they will taste.
1: Welcome to the Backyard Gardens podcast, where we talk about all things gardening and give the information out for you to be successful in your garden, whether it's your first or your last. We are your hosts. Ben the backyard gardener and Batavia the front yard gardener. One in the country, one in the city. And this podcast is a companion podcast to the upcoming documentary Backyard Gardens, a documentary about two families growing food for the first time in a world that lacks nutrition. All right, so we have a special guest today. We have Chef James Berry with com, and he is here to talk about Eating Naked. <laughs>
0: Indeed. So what's for going on,
1: James? Yeah, no problem. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, crazy times. It is crazy times, man. It is very crazy. So uh, where are you at? Uh, Located in Portland, Oregon. Okay, so you're in the heat of it, basically.
0: Yeah, not far. I mean, California is definitely... um Definitely in the thick of it, even more so. We're kind of like what? What are we sandwiched in between Seattle and California? So, and both are kind of like the hotbeds right now. Um, right. But fortunately, uh, our governor has taken some really good precautions and and shut down stuff even before California did. Really? Yeah. Like our schools, uh, I we heard about our school shutting down because um, my brother, I'm from California. My brother lives there, um, and so we were in touch and and our shut down before. Theirs was just a couple days later, but considering that their cases are a lot, they have just a lot more people infected, um, right. they should have done it a lot earlier, I think.
1: Yeah. I mean, they did that here too. And it was, uh, it's crazy to think about that. I mean, I'm, I'm homeschooling right now and I am not qualified to homeschool. <laughs> <I don't, laughs> I'm not a dumb guy, but yeah, I don't think most of us are. <laughs> no, I just don't have the patience. Let me be clear. So, yeah. um, so what's, uh, so what is eat naked kitchen?
0: Yeah. So it's, it's basically a nutrition and food site, uh, just with a plethora of free content. Um, Margaret is a functional nutritionist. So she sees clients one-on-one, um, and she's very good at what she does. She, uh, she basically specializes in autoimmune and she also, um, and, and just digestive issues as well. Um, but functional is the key. So a lot of nutritionists, when you work with them, they're doing. Uh, if you're seeing them in person, they sometimes do um, uh, pulse testing, things like that. But most of the time, it's it's a lot of it is uh, focusing on food journals um, and sometimes referring supplements. But it's kind of blanket, like because they can't do individual testing. Right. But functional means she can do individual testing, so she gets really like specific with people. Um, and then I support, you know, a lot of her clients and then I, uh, I I do a lot of consulting. I used to own a meal delivery service in Los Angeles and, um, I am about to start a food product business. So,
1: um, what kind of product?
0: I can't actually talk about the product yet, but it's, uh, it's, it's exciting in that it's a, it's a product that does not exist on the market. That's why I can't talk about it yet.
1: Okay. Um, I can I can relate to that, so But I can definitely check in when it's out.
0: <laughs> and, yeah, uh, yeah,
1: we'll definitely follow up then. Yeah. That's interesting. But
0: it doesn't exist on the mean, market yet, but it's it's one of those um it's it's one of those products that I think is very necessary. It provides um, it provides benefits that something like ninety two percent of the world are not getting. Right. Uh,
1: that's I'm interested now. Yeah. You've piqued my interest. Yeah. <laughs> so that is the trailer basically in the in the filmmaking world of a product that's coming out. You heard it first on Backyard Gardens. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's true. It's, I haven't talked about it yet with anyone. So this is
1: That's awesome. I know. Um because yeah, I mean I found you on Instagram and you were uh I basically you were doing a lunchbox challenge. Yeah. Yeah. At the time. Yeah. That was and um, fun. it I caught was, my eye.
0: Yeah. I was doing two images. I would show what the lunch was and I'd talk about And then, and then if you, you know, scrolled, then you saw if my daughter ate it. So it was kind of like the challenge was, does she eat the lunch? <laughs> yeah. Cause it's course, amazing what kids will eat too. Totally. And what they won't eat too. Right. I mean, yeah, I think that was part of the fun is that, um, you know, I could put the best things in that lunch that I, you know, that I thought were good for her. Um, but she sometimes she just wouldn't even touch it, you know. And sometimes she, <laughs> sometimes she would even she would help me put it together, and she still wouldn't touch it, you know. That's interesting. Yeah, it's it's um it's sort of a dilemma, and I think you know I think people that are listening that are trying to be whole food food oriented, trying to be health food oriented, um, it's a problem that we run into. So so we only have control when the kids are in our house.
1: Yeah, I mean, when when my son was a baby. I mean, we started him off of green beans that we grew in our garden and, you know, we pureed them and everything. And then we were vegan at the time. Now we're vegetarian, but we would take and we would just feed him like all this whole food and he would love it and eat it up. But as he went to school and left the house, you, you, at some point we had to be like, okay, you can't be alienated for what you eat. So he would eat, but it would slowly over time, it's been more and more restrictive. So it's like a constant battle now. Yeah. You know, it's like, Oh, all I want is pizza or something, you know? And totally. it's like, you know, we wanted to stop him from doing that, but you can't, you, you know, can't. it's just, it's not,
0: they're their own, you know. they're their own people. And and it's hard. Like my, my daughter has, uh, at our school, they have this table, which is the bane of our existence. It's called the no thank you table. And so kids will, who are buying lunches or get free lunches, they, you know, they have, they're supposed to get a certain amount of things on their tray, but they have to leave the counter with those things. But then they could take whatever they don't want from that tray and they could put it on the no thank you table so that other kids can grab them.
1: That's cool.
0: Yeah, you would think that's cool in theory. But what happens is like kids like my daughter, they see it as like, oh, well, I'm going to go grab these things. Cause what are they? They're like yogurt. They're sugary yogurts. They're chocolate milks and, and non-chocolate milks, but it's not very, you know, it's very low quality milk. Right. Um, it's, it's lots of fruit, which, you know, you would think, Oh, well, this is all good stuff, but it's, it's, it's not when you're trying to get your kid to eat, you know, uh, their vegetables or their protein or what, you know, when you're trying to get them to eat a balanced meal and all they're focusing on is dairy and, and sugar, you know, I mean, dairy yeah. is sugar too. They're basically all they're focusing on are sweet things. Right. So it's, it's yeah, really hard. We can't control it. We literally, and we we're watching her, uh, gain weight and we're not trying to put it, of course we're not commenting to, you know, we're not reflecting that back to her because we don't want right. her to have any kind of, she's only seven, you know what I mean? We don't want to put any yeah. kind of weird, syndromes in her around, uh, body.
1: I can relate to that. Cause as a child, I was told, you know, you're heavy, you're heavy, you're heavy constantly. Yeah. And as an adult, it's kind of manifested into like, no matter what I do in my mind, I'm always going to be heavy. Totally. It's You know what I mean?
0: And it's, and it's such, ho- it's horrible reinforcement. I mean, people, parents do it even accidentally, like, uh, like sometimes people will say, Oh, well, you're the, you're the funny kid or you're, you're the, you're, you're the loud one. Like they, they just put labels, you know? So sometimes they, they might think these are positive labels, but it puts expectations and pressures on kids at times when they don't even understand that
1: stuff. So. Yeah. And I mean, now with everybody locked in their houses, I mean, you still, you're going to have kids that are fiending for sugar and stuff like that. And now's a good time to get them eating a good diet. But then once they get out, it'll just go back to it. You know what I mean? So it's kind of hard.
0: Totally. Sorry. I got some background people.
1: <laughs> That's okay.
0: Yeah. Um, anyway, um, the, the, yeah, what's I, it is ironic because, you know, you, you're seeing all these, this hoarding going on in the, um, in the news, you know, people with the toilet paper. But the other thing is, is people are grabbing lots of like hostess products and mm-hmm. sugary items. And it's ironic because that stuff, completely um affects your immune system
1: yeah you know? it weakens
0: oh, it totally so it it is interesting i mean as horrible as the current situation is we do see it uh, as a as a sort of a coup for us just because it's, it's enabling us to get our children back on particularly the seven-year-old back on track food wise right because now she has no she doesn't have any other options she doesn't have any other influence it's just us and i'm hoping yeah, that's my hope is is that, you know, the longer she's in it, the more she sees that she feels better on it. You know, she feels yeah. better eating this.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, sugar is addictive. And oh. as a child, you know, I mean, as addictive to us, and I don't really know the biology completely behind it, but if we, if they eat the same amount of sugar as us, it's got to be a lot more to them, to their addictive qualities. And so, the, you know, there's going to be a period of time where they're weaning off of sugar and coming off of it, and then when they go without it, Hopefully things will be too sweet for them. You know, I did a uh, 21 day juice fast at one point and I know when I came back and I did that to totally reset my palate. And when I did that, I noticed that things were completely different tasting, like an apple tasted like a Kit Kat bar, you know, it was, it was amazing to me. And so I would do those every once in a while just to kind of keep resetting that palate to remind me that like, this is sugar, like strawberries are candy And it's just hard to believe that,
0: you know, if this is a funny fact. Um, So I was just talking to this broker recently about the food product that I'm working on. And um, and we were just talking about ingredients and and, you know, cost. And he, he revealed, which I knew this, but but it was just this is a good thing for people to hear. Is he said, when you're building a product, the cheapest ingredients are salt and sugar. The cheapest yep. ingredients. So if you have higher, you know, high, more expensive ingredients in anything, you fill it with salt or sugar. And, um, and then that lowers the cost of your product. And I, and I, and I joked, I said, well, yeah. Have you ever noticed how salty things are either extremely salty or they're extremely sweet. And, mm-hmm. and, and he laughed and he's like, yeah, well that's why.
1: That's that's interesting. I didn't know that there was a call. I mean, I know that those are addictive, like salt, sugar, fat. They're addictive but I didn't know that it was based on cost. That's crazy to me. Yeah. He's, to think he's about. a
0: broker around this stuff. So he's always helping people put products together and price them and everything. And,
1: uh, yeah. So you're hearing it from the source of the guy who's, that's crazy who's working it. That's fascinating to me because, you know, I know, see my whole journey to this started with like, even what I do now, it started with like nutritional documentaries And I went down this rabbit hole, and I just watched nothing but nutritional documentaries. And I watched, um, I think it was Fed Up. Oh, yeah. Maybe. And um, no, it wasn't Fed Up. I'm sorry. It was another one where the guy ate all low-fat foods for like a month. And just same quantities of his eat with with full fat. And he actually gained weight Mm -hmm. because they put sugar and salt in them to kind of lower the fat, but it tasted like cardboard. And I remember I was sitting there and I was eating some, um, some dried fruit and I was like, Oh, I'm good. I got this dried fruit. And then I turn around and I was like, let me check. It was like 40 grams of sugar per serving. It literally broke my heart. I took it and just went right in the trash and jumped it in the trash. You know, it wasn't even an option.
0: Totally. So, I mean, it's a good segue to, to, to gardening and fresh food because people, people are under the impression that Well, if it's dried fruit and it just says dried mango, then it's okay. But I think people forget or maybe they don't even know that when you dry a fruit or when you – even let's just take a carrot, right? So when you have a a Mm -hmm. raw carrot, it has a certain amount of sugar in it. But when you cook that carrot, the sugar amount increases. You you know what I mean? So it's like you basically bring out even more sugar in it. And you concentrate it, and so that cooked carrot is going to affect your blood sugar more so than the raw carrot. And the same thing okay. goes for when you dry a fruit, right? It's like you you're releasing so much of the water that the amount of sugar that is now concentrated, and it's it's basically candy. I mean, you you, yeah. you can't you can't treat a raw mango the same as you would a dried mango and and that's why you know it's it, it's it's a slippery slope when you see all this marketing of these snacks for kids and it's like freeze dried carrots or you know dried fruit this or dried fruit that or raisins are good for you it's like no no there's they're just no. concentrated little bites of sugar
1: That's i mean cuz and the, it's true sugar is sugar yeah no matter how you break it down you know Now, I know that if you eat like a fresh fruit, then the sugar is released into your bloodstream differently than a refined sugar. It's a lot slower, but it's still sugar no matter how you splice it. So like my wife is a nurse and she deals with a lot of um, diabetic people and they're like, oh, I can't eat fruit, but they'll go and they'll open a can of Coke and drink it. And it's like, dude, you've totally lost like all concept of everything, Yeah, you know, it's, you got to think about it. Like, that's just like an instant jolt to your body. But, um, cause yeah, I mean, I wanted to have you on the podcast to talk about, um, eating fresh, you know, why? Cause it looked to me like you try and focus a lot on like fresh vegetables and stuff like that. And, um, you know, and uh, do you, you, do you have a garden?
0: Uh, well, we,
1: we don't
0: right now only because we were doing some, um, construction in our backyard and we couldn't. Um, but, but right. honestly, like it's felt, it's made us feel a little naked, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like we, we feel kind of like vulnerable, you know, particularly during this time when, you know, you're, you're supposed to be in, in uh, social uh, distancing or social isolation. It's like, you don't want to be going to the stores very much. And how amazing would it be to have a garden right now, you know, right. that you can just be outside, uh, working in nature, isolated still, but have, you know, Knowing that the vegetables you're pulling from your garden have not been touched by anyone else and uh, anybody yeah, yeah anybody I mean to me that's like corona coronavirus is like just yet another example of why gardens are essential particularly urban gardens where you're not in an environment where you typically have access to right to well you know I talked land. about
1: um I talked about before that when they made suburbs back in. I don't know what year it is, so don't quote me. I think maybe the 50s or 60s, maybe before. They were acre plots, half acre plots. And they were literally designed for you to have gardens in your backyard. That was the reason why we had all that backyard. And... um. You know, and that explains, because I went through your pod or not your podcast, your Instagram feed. And I noticed that you do a lot of shopping at farmer's markets. Yes. And that's something that I preach about a lot too. It's like, Hey, if you don't have a garden, like farmer's market is the next best thing. Absolutely. Because you, you save money. It's way more fresh and you're supporting people in your area. So,
0: yeah. And, and, and we always stress, uh, you know, how something is grown is just as important as what you eat. Like, so how, if, if you are eating animals, like how they're fed, how they're raised, right. it's just as important as anything. Um, so the sourcing is key. And if you're buying from the grocery store, many, most of them, majority of them aren't transparent about where it's coming from. Usually it's coming from another country, from another part of the world. Um, a lot of times it's, it's conventional. So there's, there's a lot of stuff being sprayed on it that you don't want in your body. Um, and that goes even for, uh, animal meat, you know, what the, what the feed that they're getting, it's, it's scary. What, what conventional feedlots feed their animals. It's scary. Like, I mean, they feed them junk, like the right. dregs of food that no one else is going to eat just because they're trying to save money. Right. And, and and increase the poundage of the animal. So w- when you think about. The lack of transparency there, where can you get the most transparency? Well, in your own backyard, but secondly, at a farmer's market, because you can talk to the farmer. You can ask them, what do you use? Can I come yeah. visit your farm? And they'll, they'll, they'll always say yes, because you know, yeah. they, they want the community. They want the interaction, and they need your business. And um, so I love them for that. I, just, I love it for the, the one-on-one nature and the, and the, and the transparency.
1: Yeah. I mean, we used to only shop at farmer's markets when we first started our garden. We weren't really getting a lot. And man, you could get a ton of food for the same price you could get, you know, a quarter of it from the grocery store. It was insane how cheap it was. And they always had like different local vegetables that you wouldn't normally know about. And I learned about a lot of different, you know, different flavors and stuff like that from doing it. So, yeah, and I'm a big fan of that. We So we used to live in
0: L.A. and I, you know, I went to the farmer's markets all the time there. And then we moved to Oregon and now, you know, it's it's a it's a considerable distance away and consider the now the northwest and different climate. And I was going to the farmer's markets here and I was like, what's a garlic snape? You know, I was seeing yeah. the curly garlic. I'm like, I, I never saw that in in Southern California. Like, what the heck's that? I mean, I was yeah. getting stuff left and right. Um, you know, just like if you go to the south, you know, Southern uh, markets, you're going to see lots of okra. But you know, in certain other yep. areas, you're not. You know, so it's. It, yeah. I love going to farmers markets. Um, and I love that so many states, like there's there's areas in Ohio, like states that used to not be known for being foodie areas, are all becoming just more influenced by this kind of stuff there there are more chefs moving to these areas and they're influencing um, the restaurant scene there's more farmers that are changing their habits and how they're farming and they're just bringing this community I, i feel like a community is made when you have the the farmers markets and the restaurants when you have a certain quality of food being emphasized by the community it just changes the whole nature of the people
1: right yeah. It's amazing. And I mean the same here, like I live in North Carolina. Oh. So when you say okra, like, yeah, we get a lot of okra here and, and I don't becoming, really like. You guys say what?
0: I was going to say, you guys are becoming big foodie area too.
1: Huge foodie area. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a big foodie area in the, in the cities. I live kind of far out by the beach. So, um, it's not as much, but yeah, and the cities and stuff, they are becoming real big foodies and you get food trucks are taking over and all that stuff but then you go and you got the happy people that are the farmers sitting on the side of the road and they are just as nice as you can be. And then you, usually we go and we get a bunch of vegetables and then we also get uh, bags of boiled peanuts. So that's like, oh, that's, that's our fun. thing down here is boiled peanuts. So that's fine.
0: Um, yeah, but what do you, so, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say with eat naked kitchen, um, we like my wife and I, you know, she started uh, her, her, the way we met is she, she wrote a book called eat naked um, that, you know, you can get, uh, on Amazon or in any, any bookstore basically. And, um, and we met cause she needed a recipe section on that. Uh, and so I, uh, we had met through a marathon training program. I was volunteering. She was running and, and, um, she, we just immediately connected and then she said, well, can I talk to you? And, and then from there, you know, sparks flew and we eventually fell for each other. And then we wrote another cookbook called the Naked Foods Cookbook. So we have two books out there. But what what the, the kind of principle of of the books and just of the site have always been uh, is about real food. You know, getting rid of unpro you know eat naked is about not eating processed food. So real food based because there's always these food trends. You know, right now it's keto. There's plant based, of course. There's there's a uh, paleo there's the carnivore diet diet i mean there, right. you know it's just every few months there's some new trend and we saw that and we were like you know what's what's the trend that's never that that really should never change it's eating real food you know because yeah, I mean? all, all that. this hoopla comes up it's like but what's really going to always bring you back to balance it's real food
1: yeah i agree with you completely and i mean that's so important that people know that it's like I mean, because how long can you do a carnivore diet for, really? Ah, uh, yeah, you know? I don't know. And I mean, it was like, I don't eat meat, but I do miss it. But now it's been so long that I won't necessarily go back. But there are times like you need variety in your life. And eating naked, you get that variety because you kind of get as as far if I'm understanding, you know, if you're eating fresh fruits, vegetables and meats, if you choose so, there's plenty of availability out there. You know, I mean, because you can still eat carbs and stuff when you eat naked, right?
0: Oh yeah, uh, I mean, we're we're just about trying to move away from the processed stuff, right? So yeah, so uh, you know, and the problem the problem I I have even with some of the 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 plant based uh, trend right now is all this fake meat, and mm-hmm. it's like. I just feel like it's going in the wrong direction. I'm all for eating more vegetables. I mean, I actually think that whatever people are currently eating, they should double it, like or even triple it. Like, I, I guarantee the majority of people are not still not eating enough vegetables. So I'm I'm all right. for it. Um, but switching from let's just say you have an animal that's being properly raised, properly fed, you know, 100. percent Let's just say it's a cow, 100 grass fed. You have a you have a a, a sustainable farm you know, where, where it's a closed circle, it's a closed loop and there, you know, like Joel Salatin does. It, it's like, if you don't know him, I should look him up. It, it's like a regenerative farm. And so you have that happening. Um, you have, you know, vegetables that aren't being sprayed with glyphosate, you know, you, you have, you know, like quality vegetables. And then you look at like this beyond meat product, right. And you read the label of what's actually in it. Like, to me, it's like, if I read that label and I look at the ingredients, I'm like, how do you eat? Like, I get it. Like, like someone like yourself saying, like, you miss meat. I get it. But why would someone want to eat the process, like the crazy amount of stuff that's in that versus just eating something that's, that's, that's whole, you know, like that yeah. doesn't have a whole, you know, list. I mean, the, the beyond meat label is huge.
1: It's crazy. Yeah. We like. And we don't eat a lot of fake meats. We eat mostly like tofu and that's about it. And, but, um, yeah. you know, I, I was because when Burger King came out with their Beyond Burger and was, everybody's was like, it tastes just like it. And the reason why we don't eat it is because, look, man, it doesn't taste like meat. Ah. It doesn't taste anything like meat. You, you can say it however you want, but you're never going to get that taste. And so I was like, I'm going to go get one. And then I looked it up and I was like, it's the exact same nutrition as a Whopper, mm-hmm. you know, with beef. So I was like, I might as well just eat the Whopper. You yeah, know, there's no sense. difference. So Except for that I mean,
0: ingredient list. That's the yeah, big difference.
1: That's the only thing. And the reason why I did it was for health mostly. You know, I was overweight and still am to an extent, but not as bad. And I just, I was a meat addict. So that's why we cut it out. But to go out and just buy nothing but, because you can be a junk food vegan. No oh, problem. Yeah. You know, Oreos are junk food. I, you know, they're vegan.
0: I was the vegan vegetarian chef for the Vans Warped Tour uh, back in, um, I think it was 2000 and six I think. And, mm-hmm. um, so I was responsible for all the vegans and the vegetarians on the Vans Warped Tour. So any, anyone in the band, any, any crew that was vegan or vegetarian, I took care of them. It was like 200 people. And, and, um, I, it was all junk food. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it was hilarious. It was all fried foods. It was just all junk. And it was like, yeah. and it was so not how I was taught to cook, but I was just providing what people wanted. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it really opened my eyes to like, well, you there, just like there's different types of omnivores. You know, people like uh, people who don't care about quality of meat, they'll just eat conventional meat. There's other people that care about the quality of meat. Just and the same thing goes for plant based or vegetarians. There's people that just eat tons of fake junk food. You know, they just want to call themselves vegan or vegetarian, and right, but they just keep they just keep eating tons of junk. And then there's ones yeah. like, no, we're doing it we're doing it for this reason and we do focus on real, you know, healthy food. Right. You know, you, you just always, there's not one label that fits for everyone. And there's always a variation of that one, you know, of those labels.
1: Yeah. And I think one thing too, is like when you get to fake meat products, um, I think it's good for one thing only is like, if you go to a cookout so you can socially fit in Yeah. and people aren't like, Oh, what are you? Like if you threw a portobello mushroom on there, cause you know, I like portobello Yeah quote-unquote burgers but if you did that people be like what are you doing but if you throw like a beyond burger out there that it makes you kind of fit in a little bit more particularly in your area right (laughs) oh man my area is brutal dude (laughs) i can't unbelievable. i
0: I, I just can't even that would be like a comedy movie you showing up with a portobello mushroom at a north (laughs) you know a north carolina barbecue
1: oh my god it's terrible. I mean, and so we were, um, I'm from North Carolina, but I lived in New England for 10 years and we were, we became vegan up there for about six of those years. And then when we came down here, it was so hard to eat. And Perfect. cause we live out in the country. I was like, I just, I have to go vegetarian and I have to eat cheese or something. something. And, you know, you can't, yeah. you can't go out and eat and even be, it was just too alienating yeah. for me. Yeah. And, um, you know, but that's what those products are really there for. I think no, so. absolutely,
0: and I, I I think just like anything, you know, uh, moderation, right? You just gotta, yeah, just gotta be careful. And see, that's
1: where I come in. I don't have moderation. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, yeah, I, I don't. Th- most of us
0: don't. You know, there's always there is like this kind of sense of like a uh, uh, willpower. It, it's such a it's a fictional word. There, there's no such it thing is. as willpower. You know, the way we're marketed to it these days, like the marketing alone. Uh, is beyond what our what our you know paleolithic brains can handle we don't we don't like our bodies our, our cells do not understand how we're marketed to and, and right. they have they have people this is kind of fascinating even with like you know chips you know or, or cheetos those kind of things they have someone in a lab figuring out that if we put just this amount of spice in it and and this amount of that and this amount of this that it will inspire you to eat more of them and so it had yeah. nothing to do with like they taste good. It's more of like they're, they're, they're messing with the chemicals of your brain. Yeah. you know. So how do you it, fight that?
1: You can't, you can't, you, know?
0: you just, all yeah. you have to do is just somehow just create this story. And that's really what I think what is stronger than willpower is you have to create a story and you have to believe in it 300%. And the story has got to be what you, the outcome you want. So, so, for example, like uh, my wife has to be gluten-free because she, she has autoimmune. And, mm-hmm. and so what we did was we – as a family, we just all went gluten-free. Now, I, at mm-hmm. the time, I didn't have a – store, you know, I didn't have to go gluten-free. But we did it for – because, we, you know, it's stronger to be unified when there's ever a food change. You know, it would be hard if like you, you and your wife or partner were like vegetarian – um, or let's just say you and your kids were vegetarian, but, but your partner wasn't right. That would just, it just makes it so hard when someone's not following the protocol. So we yeah. all do the gluten free thing. And I got to say, like, that's part of our story now. Right. And so when I go to a store and there's samples out, I don't eat them like, cause it's not even no. an option. Like, so that yeah. storyline is so, it's so much easier to follow for me and stick to because it's it's not a oh there's no middle ground there's no gray area it's either either you do it or you don't and because my story is i don't do it then i don't do it right you know
1: it's i mean well you're you're doing it for your family too yeah you got you know? that kind of gives you more of a reason yeah
0: yeah and so sadly that's why you know a lot of people when we're dealing with uh in our field when we're working with people, and this may even be true around gardens too, is sadly, a lot of times people don't make changes until there's something drastic happening, you know, and usually it's a health scare or some kind of health yeah. issue. Um, but you know, and maybe this what's going on right now with coronavirus where people are quarantined or just kind of stuck at home, it, it gets you kind of back to zero because I think gardens are like a they're just a beautiful way of getting back to nature. Um, getting outside, putting your hands in dirt, first of all, growing something from a seed to something you can actually, eat. there's nothing more powerful than that, right? Yeah. There's nothing more. Powerful. No, there's
1: not. I mean, it's amazing to watch and that's why we love it so much. I mean, hell, I'm filming a movie and doing podcasts and YouTubes and like all this crazy stuff. I never thought I would do that, but I just felt like after all of the nutrition stuff that I learned and studied for myself, and after doing it in my own garden, I found that it was very important for people, you know, and there's a, you know, a health emergency other than the coronavirus in this country right now. And it's obesity. You know yeah, what I mean? And absolutely. like, there's no problem with going out to eat, and having a cheeseburger or something, but you can't do it every single day. We you talk. know, you have to break it up.
0: I worked with so uh, when I had my I, my company in LA, it was a meal delivery service. Um, it still exists. I just don't have anything to do with it, and so I think the quality is different now. Um, but uh, at the time, I was good friends with this guy. Um, his name is David, and he he was at he, at the time. I think he was in his twenty one. He was pretty young. And he had really a lot of acne. He was a thin guy, but he really hyper. He, he had been uh, diagnosed with um, ADD. Uh, I think he was actually taking medication. He was just kind of all over the place. When you, when you looked at him, he wouldn't, he wouldn't look you in the eye. Um, didn't have a lot of self-confidence. Definitely was drinking. He was smoking. He was drinking tons of sodas. And, um, and so he started working for me, though. And he started out just washing dishes, and and he was around me long enough where, and this is key: you got to wait till someone ta- asks you, right? You can't volunteer the information; you have to wait till they talk to you. But he finally one day said, "Hey James, what w- what can I do to to kind of improve my health?" And we did one thing. And I said, "I said, well, I see you drinking sodas all the time. Like I, that's all I see you drinking is soda." I said, "So." the one thing I want you to change right now is I just want you to drink water instead. That's mm-hmm. it. I, I want that to be the only thing you drink is water. And he made that one change. And now, uh, that was in, uh, that was in like 2010. And now, so 10 years later, he now works out in the gym. He's like a bodybuilder kind of guy. He's got like this wow. rough body. His skin is clean. He's got like, he, 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 he no longer has to take ADD stuff. I mean, it just completely changed his trajectory, just that one change, because he started to feel a difference in his body because he was now getting all that sugary you know, sodas out of the yeah. diet. And so I always, I always tell people, like, when you're trying to make change, like, it doesn't have to be drastic. It can just be one thing. Yep. And, and let that one thing then take you to the next thing. But for him, it was water. And I usually, that's what I recommend to people.
1: But- yeah, I listened to a podcast when I first started getting into It's it called No Meat Athlete. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys that came on there, um, he was talking about, uh, you know, he would tell people that had major issues. They're like, all you need to do is eat one piece of celery a day. Just start with that. Yeah. And then they would go up, you know. And it was like if it was somebody morbidly obese, it would be like, walk to the bathroom and back, you know, walk to the, into the hallway and then just go for, it was like such small steps. And I found that to be like very true. Like if you take a small step like that, then it'll kind of snowball from there. Once you start feeling better and all that, cause I mean, I hated celery, but when I heard that, I was like, you know what? I want to learn to eat celery. I'm going to take one bite of celery a day for a week. And now I like celery.
0: Yeah. you know, awesome. And
1: it's, yeah.
0: Well, no. What, so, what's the one? What's the one step when when you're talking to someone who's never had their own garden, who wants to start a garden? What's the one step you you
1: tell them to do? Is this for you or for somebody, or just hypothetical? <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. No, it's hypothetical. I mean, I, I'm kind of curious myself. It's like because because you know, I think I think when I think of when you know, even in my field, it's like I can tell people to do something, but sometimes there's so many steps in that doing. And it's overwhelming. So like, and I'm just thinking out loud, like, you know, gardening, if you, you tell someone, okay, start a garden, there's so many steps in that, that even if you give them a list of the steps, people still will get overwhelmed. So I'm just wondering yeah. if one thing that will kind of steamroll
1: to the, to, to get to the finished product. So usually it kind of starts with like, you know, you kind of have to have a plan, you know, what do you, what is your goal? But if they're like, I don't really have a goal, I don't know. I say, go get a pot, go to your local big box store and get four different herbs, stick them in the pot. And then when you're cooking, go out and grab your herbs, keep it by your front back porch and then just go clip your herbs. So you tell them to start with herbs though. I always tell people to start with an herb garden because it's easy and it's like instant gratification. Cause you know, you can have a, I'm sure you've bought the basil plant you keep in your window. You can bring that home and take a leaf off that day and use it. And so you're instantly harvesting something. Yeah. And I great. think, and yeah. And I mean, the last podcast we released last week, we were talking about vegetables during the coronavirus and what to grow. And one of my top things was an herb garden. Cause I was like, you know, you can eat rice and beans for 10 years straight, but I would like to go out there and put a little basil or cilantro on it. And you do that. And all of a sudden you have a completely different meal. Yeah. So that's kind of, you know, I think that's a really good starting point because they're really easy too. But then going from there, then it's like, what kind of garden do you want to do? And then it's kind of opens a conversation once they do it. And that's really why we started filming our documentary was kind of just that same reason, you know?
0: And herbs grow fairly easily too. So that's all, I get
1: how that's a good gateway.
0: You know, speaking about herbs, that's a, that's something I always recommend to, um, to parents is, uh, if you if you get your kid young, like because a lot of parents struggle to get vegetables in their kid. You know, we can talk all day about you know eat eat real food, eat eat eat, eat your whole whole foods. Um, but to actually, if you're a parent and you're trying to get them in your kid, and they're they're already off to a bad start, you know, they've already got you know um, kind of bad habits. It's really hard to, to to pivot them if you're not unified and if you don't kind of have that plan. You know, like you're yeah. talking about around a garden. And so one of the things I always recommend to, to parents is you take, um, pestos, for example, pestos are such a, such a, you you can really, like people assume that you just have to use basil, but you can really, uh, use any herb, Yeah. you know, I mean, if you go all throughout the world, it's not just a basil pesto. It's, it's, it, it changes depending on what region you're in, um. And so you can really, you can do oregano, you can do marjoram, you can do so many different kinds of herbs in that pesto. Latin America does a chimichurri. That's basically just a, it's a pesto, but it's just with different herbs than basil. And what you can do though is you can also add vegetables. So you can add carrots, you can add spinach, you can add kale, you can mix all these things in. And as long as the kid... You know, if you, let's say you are eating dairy, you put some dairy in there. As long as there's something that, in there that the kid is familiar with, that it that they associate with pesto, you're good. You just got vegetables yeah. in your kid. You know, um, I'm yeah. always telling people like make sure that you're adding a little bit of kale or spinach to that pesto so that you can get it into your kids. Um, yep. Same thing with like marinara sauce. Like I, a lot of times, you know, a kid associates a marinara sauce as being red. But so as long as your, your sauce is red, that's all it needs to be. So everything else in it can, you take, you take like, you take your carrot, you can take um, a little, you could take cauliflower, carrots, uh, what else? Like I'll add sometimes a little spinach or kale, like, but I'll add, I'll take it all and I'll put it in a food processor and I'll just mince it like crazy. And then as long as I put enough tomatoes or enough tomato paste in there to keep it red, kids don't know.
1: Yeah. And I, I do the same things, you know, like we bake muffins, we, we grind up carrots and put in there. Yeah. But my question would be, um, and I've always wondered this and since you kind of brought it up is, do you think it's good though, to kind of trick a kid into eating it? Or do you think they should know like, Hey, I just ate kale and carrots and all this stuff. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So they could like later down the road say, "I want to try a carrot now" or something, you know.
0: I think it depends on their age, you know. I mean, I think if you're dealing with kids from, you know, two to, I would even say maybe two to ten, um, but the ten, I'm I'm not sure. Maybe it's two to seven, but somewhere somewhere around there, um, I I think. So it's really connected to what you talked about with the sugar, right? So if you're eating. Lots of sweet things all the time. Your palate is different than if you're not. You know what I'm saying? So like, so like yeah. you use the example of like, well, I ate an apple and because I had not been eating sugar or anything sweet for a long time, that apple tasted like candy to me. So think about a kid. A kid's palate is off usually, particularly if they're in a, in a bad habit cycle. So for you to say, here, eat this, this red bell pepper, right? They're going to eat it. They're, they're not tasting the sweetness that it naturally has yet. They, they can't even taste it. Right. So, you, so, so you almost have to first focus on changing their palate before you can get them interested in the food. So I usually try to do a combination. I basically uh, – I first do it myself and I get – I support their palate and changing so that they're not so acclimated to something overly sweet, right? So I first do that. So first I do hide the stuff. But then once I've done it and I've and I'm starting to see that they're not fighting me on this stuff anymore that they're just eating it and there's there's no kind of battle of wills, then I start in trying to include them in on the process of making it because I think that's if a kid helps you make it, you're already you know you're almost there. because um, yeah. inevitably they will they will normally eat what they help make. So I, I try to then get them to help participate in making it and then usually you're home free once you start. Yeah, I didn't that.
1: think about the making it part because then they automatically know what goes into it. Yeah, so. yeah.
0: And, and a lot of times when you're help when they're helping you make it, you know, a lot of people skip the stuff, but you should actually help them. You should have them taste things before they, let's say if you're blending stuff up for a sauce and a food processor. So before you add everything, so they're helping you cut it, which is their favorite part normally is the cutting. And mm-hmm. then once they've cut it, and before you add everything into that food processor, say, "Hey, let's try it and see what this tastes like." And so then they mm. taste it, and it's little bites, so that you know, what I mean, it's not like a they usually they won't fight you on it because it's already cut small. They taste right. it, and then you put it in there, and then you do the same process with the next thing. And so they're tasting everything as it goes goes in there. And then when you have the finished product, I always say, like, "Hey, I need a taste test. I need to make sure this tastes good," you know. And so then I have one of my daughters taste it. And my older daughter, she loves that. She loves being like the taste tester. You know, I gave her right. that role. She's the taste tester and she has an amazing palate. And I actually have found I can really rely on her palate too. So that's another thing is, is you, your kids start to get involved in the cooking. and You start to find they actually have better, better palates than even you might. You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you start young enough, I'm sure, you know, I mean, they got a fresh palate too. And if totally. you can keep it from getting trashed, I mean you know, that's the trick. But the thing is, man, and when you go to school, it's like candy all the time. All the Everything time. is candy. It's Everybody's horrible. got a birthday party, you know, and that's kind of what happened to us is our, my son was in daycare and he was just getting old enough to where he could kind of tell that he was doing something differently and they had a birthday party and they wouldn't, and we had discussed and we said, look, a birthday party, he can have cake, you know, and they, cause we were vegan at the time, but we were like, look, man, you can't, totally just be. So he ate an orange while everybody else ate cake. Oh yeah. And he was upset. And we were like, no man, I was like, dude, you can't eat an orange while everybody else is eating cake. Like that's just, that's heartbreaking. That's stealing a childhood at that point. So, um, and, and our view personally. So, you know, we kind of went with that, but I did not realize that after that it would be like a birthday every week. <laughs> you know, I mean, they eat more cake and candy than I've ever seen. So,
0: yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, I definitely have a strong opinion about this. Um, mostly because I see it in my kids is I think I think when you give a kid an inch, they take a mile. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I think that's just, and and I I think there's a couple things. I think there's that, and then I think the other thing that I run into a lot with clients is that we have these ideas. You know, you you grew up a certain way with food. I grew up a certain way of food. But we were very much shaped from our parents' view of food, right? And so mm-hmm. let's just say you're a kid who was shamed a lot around food and who is kind of said, told, you know, I got to You got to eat everything on that plate or you can't leave this chair. And you were and you were shamed and you were also um, it, it created a lot of stress for you around food and you were made to eat foods that you really didn't want to eat, you know, you know. And and so I think that pressure builds up. It helps form who you are. And then now as an adult, you're like, oh, I don't I, I don't want my kid to have uh any pressure around food so now you go the opposite direction right and you're like oh they're gonna like my mom sometimes like she kind of talks a little bit how you, that has similar language of what you just shared about like if they're not eating what everyone else is eating then they're missing out or it's not a full life you know right because that's what we're taught we're taught like right you reward yourself with with a, a dessert when you've done something good and 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 all these kind of food things, they are, they are what make the world so great. But is that really true? It's not, you know what I mean? It's not necessary. It's not a fact. It's more of like, well, that's what we were taught. That's what we believe. It's just a belief. Right. And so that's the problem though, is that we, it's never going to change if one of the generations doesn't change it. You know, if we continue to feed that storyline of like, well, you know, treats or, or like desserts, uh, like, like I know people that it's like a dessert happens every night after dinner. And it doesn't matter if you eat yeah. all your dinner, you still get dessert because that's, yeah, that's, that's not good. Right. So <laughs> we're, we're all telling ourselves different stories. And, and let's face it. I mean, it's all there's no one way to be a parent or a human being. I mean, it's all made up. And, and so I just find that because of that one principle of that a kid you've given a given a they'll take a mile. I have just found that if you want your kid to abide by a certain change or a certain kind of philosophy, it has to be a unified front. You just have to – you have to dig deep and do it. But now I say that with also the fact that once they leave your home, you have no control. Right. Right? So so we, we – I think I, I, I mentioned uh, – uh, so we're gluten-free. I mentioned that. Mm-hmm. And so when my kids go to a birthday party, uh, I – a lot of times I'll check in with a parent and I'll be like, Hey, you know, is there going to be anything gluten free? And if it's not, I'd supply it. Um, but my kids now know that there is no, there's no gray area. It's like, this is what we are. Um, and, and so it has definitely resulted in some issues. You know, my daughter definitely feels like like you were talking about with, with your son, like missing out. She feels like she misses out. But right. over the years, because we stuck to our guns, it's in, what's interesting is that she's starting to get that the food that I give her is actually way better than what the kids are getting at the party. Right. You know, she's not, so she's starting to learn that she's not actually missing out. In fact, she's just getting something different, but what she's getting is actually better. And it's taken some years and it's hard, but I feel like that's all we really have as parents is we, we only have the long game. And the long game is when they're at home, they eat a certain way and you're establishing that grounding of like, OK, if, if you have a garden and you eat lots of vegetables and and we make sure that we, you know we're gluten free or whatever it is, that this is how we eat. And then when you get out in the world, like we're trying to establish that as the ground zero. So then that mm-hmm. way, you know that this is how your body feels when you eat this stuff. But the minute you eat the other stuff, you're also trying to teach a kid to feel that. Feel, what what right. does it feel like in your body that you just ate all this other stuff? And uh, I, I don't know what the outcome is going to be, but I've definitely talked to people that were raised like this. And they said, yeah, uh, I, they all kind of confirm what I thought, which is that they come back to what they were taught in their home. So they may go out and explore and like, let's just say, if you, if your kid was raised vegetarian, they might go out and just eat hamburgers all the time once they're out there on their own, but they eventually come back to what you taught them. And so that's why I definitely become a firm believer of like, you just pick, pick your perspective and stick with it. Don't waver right. from it. Cause if you waver from it, the kids know that there's exceptions and they'll take it, they'll take them and yeah. they'll run with them.
1: Yeah. I mean, and you know, we do stuff like if you eat your dinner every for 4 days out of the week, then you get a piece of candy. Mm. You know, it's not every day, but and when I say candy, I mean, you know, a piece of candy, it's like a little like trial size thing. Yeah. But that's enough to kind of motivate them to kind of eat his vegetables and stuff like that. So, we kind of use that as a tool and we don't really like it, but at the same time, it's kind of tough to not do anything for him. You know what I mean? Because we like to eat candy and stuff too, but I agree with you. It's like, you kind of got to pick your, pick your battles, Yeah. you know, and that's our, that's kind of our battle. And, you know, when he, it was just, I remember when he ate that orange and everybody ate cake and my heart was broken for him, you know, cause he just felt so out of place. And I was like, man, but if I would have known then that it would be like that in the future, I would have never done that. So it's just kind of tough. And then they won't even let you like make a cake at home, which can be like a thousand times better for you. You have to buy everything store bought. Oh, for this. Oh yeah. That's so, yeah. You're in a tight spot there. I mean, yeah, you're getting like the worst of the worst, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, so you're, yeah. What you're talking about then is, is a system that is, uh, is not aligned with your principles, you know? And that's, that's always tough. Um, I, you know, we've been very fortunate in our, neck of the woods, you know, in Oregon, Portland, Oregon, that for the most part, there's a very big understanding of like people, you know, of consciousness about sugar and consciousness about, um, if someone's got a specific way of eating to respect that. Right. Um, so, so we've been fortunate, but I know other areas that's not so like, like you said, you go to these areas, it's like, this is what they serve and they don't let you bring anything different.
1: Yeah. And it's not even an option here. It's kind of like, this is it. It's the same way it's been for a hundred years or 50 years, whatever. Yeah. And it's not going to change. And that's, and but, that's it's sad starting thing, to.
0: but that's the sad thing is that, so these institutions, they're not clued in yet. The things have changed. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, like the, the seeds that are used nowadays to, to grow some of this stuff, the stuff that the, the sanction, the, the kind of like uh, kickbacks that the government gives the emphasis uh, for farming the GMO mm-hmm. stuff, I mean, it has changed. Like, one of the reasons why people are so sensitive to things is is what's being sprayed on, on a lot of these vegetables. Yeah. The way some of these seeds have been hybridized and, like, the, the percentage of gluten in some of these wheat grains is, like, so much higher than it used to be. You know, so it's like... Yeah, it's it's insane. It's, it's like, it's sad because the system hasn't caught up with the fact that it, things are different and we have to think about it, you know. we, we Like, I think I posted something just recently on... Instagram, um, that talks about, and it's, it's not scientific, but it's not, it's not meant to be. It's just about like, it, it gets you to think about it. And it's basically talking about how, um, GMO crops started at this, you know, this certain year. And since then it, it just shows like how much of all these different things have increased from, you know, ADD to, uh, health issues and it's like well yeah well, i'm not saying gmo is causative i'm saying it's, it's possible it's
1: dude possible. i think you posted that today
0: you did i <laughs> yeah, yeah it was life is crazy it was yesterday or today see i think <laughs> i think the way social media works is i may have posted yesterday but you don't see it till today
1: okay that's true yeah that's true but
0: yeah either yeah. way yes it was just like yesterday but but it's it, a lot of times that's kind of what i'm trying to do is just get people to think about what's what's clearly things are messed up i mean clearly like we're getting we're affected by the food we eat right uh you are what you eat yeah right so it's pretty clear now some people will fight you and say like well but there's no scientific evidence that uh this causes that it's like well but that's impossible because there's so many there's so many different factors like can you say that the issue is because of the seed or is it because of what's in the air or, be, or because of what's in the water? It's like, they call it the, uh, uh, what is that term? It's like the, the soup, you know, the, the toxic soup right? that whenever there's a, an experiment done and where they're trying to identify something, they never factor in the toxic soup. They never factor in that you're getting like, that was one of the things with glyphosate back in the day is that, when they tested to say that it was okay for the environment and for people, is they they said, well, is this amount in your body is what's acceptable. But they didn't factor in that it was going to – when people were spraying this stuff on their lawns, that it was going to seep into the water and then you were going to get it from 50
1: other things you did. Right. So
0: they didn't factor in and it's impossible to factor in that toxic
1: soup. So, and glyphosate is Roundup for everybody to know, yeah, right? yes. So that's Roundup that you're using in your gardens or in your walkways and stuff like that. And
0: they never expected that it was going to be in everything.
1: Yeah. And it's, I mean, now they just pour it on the crops. And that's the thing when and to bring it back to gardening for a second is like, So like if you start a garden, like you cannot put a genetically modified crop in your garden. It's not possible unless some, but some farmer gives you a seed. Right. So like you can buy heirloom seeds or you can buy like hybridized seeds, which are just crossbreeding now. And so like, I don't know if there's gluten added to those seeds or what, I, I mean, nothing's added to them. It's just, Oh, this tomato plant did well and this one did well. Let's breed them together. You know, it's kind of like breeding marijuana, like creating different strains. So, you know, that's the plus behind that. Like a lot of people do it now because they want to know where their food comes from and they don't want to eat genetically modified. But the problem is people will see an heirloom tomato, like a black Cherokee tomato or just something that's just like odd looking. They'll be like, oh, that's genetically modified. And because it looks so different and it's like, no, actually it's not not genetically modified. It's the way it was before it got hybridized. Like you can't look at a crop and tell if it's genetically modified. That's not, you know, you you can't can't see that with your naked eye.
0: If anything, sometimes, sometimes you can tell only because it's, it's too perfect. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's too classical looking. It's like, yeah, it's like, there's no, there's no deformities or no, no blemishes. You're like, wait a second. Why isn't an, Why? Why is an insect not wanting to eat this? <laughs> you know what I mean. You almost you want you want some sign of life in your food, right? And you know, uh, I know one of the reasons um, you originally wanted me on was to talk about you know farming and how it connects to you know your kitchen, and I I gotta say like there is nothing better than fruit or not fruit. I'm just saying produce that is allowed to ripen on the vine. And that is, yeah. that is a huge advantage um, from, you know, conventional farming is that they have to pull from bananas to, to tomatoes, to corn. I mean, like think about how food arrives at the grocery store now. It's usually green and it's, yeah, it's hard. Crazy. It's not fully ripe yet. And they have to usually spray something on it to, to support the travel time to get to the grocery store, to support the shelf life. And yeah. you will never get as nutrient-dense and as flavorful of a product as if you just grew it yourself and allowed it to ripe or get it from a local farmer's market, but, but allowed it to ripen on the vine.
1: Yeah, it's you, totally different. Totally different. I mean, because a lot of people are like, you know, I get into certain – I get a lot of questions and they're like, when should I pick this? When should I pick that? And I'm like, let it t- – if it starts – to if it's a tomato and it's starting to turn red, you've already let it sit on the vine twice as long as it would be if it came from a farm. Totally. You know, I mean, they're picking rocks at that point. You know, they're just not even totally formed yet, so.
0: And I And I always – kind of share with people too that you know if you ever feel like you're not a good chef i said it could be also the food you're using so if you're allowing the the food to just ripen on the vine you kind of can't mess it up it's at that point like a tomato that you grow in your backyard that's ripened on the vine it's that beautiful color whatever kind of tomato it is could be yellow could be uh red whatever orange but it's like when it's that rich beautiful color and you can kind of tap the skin and it just, it it indents a little bit. It's not too firm. Like the flavor that's going to be in that tomato will be unparalleled from anything you've ever gotten from the store. And you Mm kind of can't mess that up when you're, cooking. you know what I mean? Like (laughs) you don't have to be a good chef. Like it's already there. You just cut it.
1: You know, I think people overcomplicate things. Oh yeah. When they cook. Um, you know, so I'm not a chef, but I like to eat. And I, you know, we used to make all these, especially when you're vegan, man, you, every meal is so complicated. Yeah. It's all these different flavors. And finally we went to where we're like, you know what, we're just going to do like five ingredients maybe or something. We kind of put a limit on it and then you could really taste the food, you know, it's like, you know, like. So one tip we do is we actually buy the frozen vegetables a lot of times at the grocery store because they are allowed to yep. ripen. Yeah,
0: they're definitely so, they picked. It, frozen food vegetables are way better than canned. Uh, yeah. They're not even you can't even they're apples and oranges. Like I, I would never buy canned vegetables if you can not. Yeah. But frozen, yeah, they're peaked. They're 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 picked at the peak peak of flavor, peak of performance, and they're frozen, yeah. and they're they're just they're great, particularly during off seasons, right?
1: Yeah. So then we'll do that and make some spices, and that's a meal. You know what I mean? Totally. So I mean, it's a, and you know, we always try to give out recipes and stuff like that, and it's always like the easiest thing we can do. Just so, and the the sad part is, is man, you could spend an hour and a half cooking it, and then in ten minutes you're done. Right. <laughs> you know. Right. I'd rather spend more of my time doing something else personally, and I like the way the food tastes. So. Well, if anyone listening to this
0: uh, feels like they just don't know how to cook or or struggle with it uh here here's a tip i would give you is is to think about food not as uh recipes but as formula so with every every meal if you're cooking it now if you're well technically if you're eating it as a salad too same same rule is you're going to want to have some fat you know so you're going to always want to have some fat if you're cooking it make sure you're using you know some some good fat for cooking and maybe some coconut oil or something like that if you're vegan or vegetarian and and if you're eating it raw, uh, salad, you're going to still want a good dressing. And in actually in our cookbook, the Naked Foods cookbook, we have um because a lot of people think, "Well, I got to buy my dressings. It's so complicated." We have something like 10 mason jar dressings you can make in 5 minutes or less. And I'm and, ordering one as soon as I get off here <laughs> <it's> then. It's <laughs> it's 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 really important to know that, you know, when you buy stuff uh on the store shelf, um they're using they're cutting corners like we talked about earlier so Mm -hmm. they're always looking for the how do i how do i get good margin on my product how do i keep it on the shelf stable and how do i get good margin so they're always cutting corners and that usually cut it on the most important uh ingredients and that's usually the oil if it's a dressing right and then they're adding stabilizers things in it that you wouldn't want in your your salad dressings normally just to make it so it doesn't discolor or separate or something like that. So if you can make your own, and, and you know, I'll, I'll tell you right now on this podcast, here here's a formula. So once again, think of it as a formula, and not a recipe, right? So formula first, you're making your own salad dressing is three to one. So three parts oil to one part acid, which is like a vinegar. It, but but I say acid because it can be a lemon, it could be a lime. You know, what I mean, it doesn't have to be right. vinegar. It could be an orange. It could be orange juice. You know what I'm saying? Like anything that's considered an acid. Um, but so three parts to one. And then you're like, well, what does that mean? What's three parts to one? Well, okay. So let's just say you have a tablespoon. So three, three tablespoons to one tablespoon. Let's say you don't have a t- tablespoon. You just have the jars cap. You know, like like I can visually show you this. But, but you know, you literally take the cap off the olive oil. That's all you have. Right. So three caps to one cap. You know what I mean? It's just three mm-hmm. to one. Whatever you're doing for, for the three, you got to make sure you do that for the one. So it's not too complicated. And if you just do that, you put it in a mason jar, add, basically mix them together, then taste it. And then you'll be like, okay, it needs a little salt. So then you add a little bit of salt. Then you taste again. And you're going to find that it that you'll, you'll find how much it needs just by keep tasting it. Do a little bit at a time because once you go too much salt, you can't go back. Um, yeah. <laughs> right? But then that's it. You've just made your own d- dressing, and you'll get really good at it. Uh, but the same thing when I talk about formulas with food is you want most of your plate to look like vegetables. So, so mm-hmm. talking like seventy to eighty percent vegetables, and then you know the other twenty percent you can mix mix in you know fifteen or ten percent of that being protein, and then the rest can be you know starches if that's what you want or not. You know mm-hmm. it doesn't. But and then you want like a good five percent to be fat. But, but that's yeah I mean
1: that took a long time for me to learn too about separating your foods like you need to have more vegetables because when I grew up I mean you literally got a giant steak a baked potato and like a spoonful of green beans
0: yeah yeah oh, and the now foods it's like, were always the smallest and the protein meat protein yeah. was always the biggest yep yeah,
1: but that was all the marketing and stuff at the time too. Totally,
0: and that's very false. I mean, that is so not what we need. We do not need that much protein, uh, but we do need a lot of vegetables. At least I think. And, um, um, and and like I said earlier, the amount. Like, if your plate, when you think about, it, when you look at a plate, if your plate, the smallest, if if I don't know, it's if it's a pie chart, if the smallest slice of the pie is is the vegetable, then you're off you're, you're off.
1: Yeah. It's great. I remember you you called it protein on your plate. And as a vegetarian, you go to a restaurant and you're like, yeah, I'll have this, you know, whatever dish and you're like, but I don't want any meat. And they're like, well, what would you like for your protein, sir? And I'm like, I'll just have some beans. And they're like, yeah, but what about your protein? I'm like, (laughs) that is my protein. Thank you for asking. You know, it's like, I don't like it when they use that term generally because they don't really know what protein is and isn't, so it kind of, you know, it gets offensive at times, but yeah, it was
0: fine. Yeah, well, once again, that's such, such a regional thing, right? Um, uh, but yeah, right? I mean, but even that scenario, you still, you don't want your plate to be all beans. It's like 20% of that plate is right. the beans and 80, you know, 70 to 80% is the, uh, the vegetable,
1: yeah. Well, my gastric system can't handle a whole plate full of beans either. So no, that no. helps limit for that.
0: And, you know, and, and, and I would say to some, the people that are like, well, I can't eat that many vegetables. Then, then I would say, okay, cook them, like cook them yeah. down as much as you can. Because, because, you know, even if I, if, if I take three cups of spinach and I cook <laughs> that down, that cooks down to half a
1: cup. If that. If that, right? It's crazy, so, But yeah. you still
0: did get three cups of spinach,
1: you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah, because I went to a nutritionist for a while, and I had to clarify that, because she was telling me to use a cup of spinach. I'm like, well, I eat like three or four cups of spinach. Right. And she was like, oh, well, that's fine. You know, you're really getting four cups. I'm like, well, I just cooked it down. She's like, it doesn't matter. It's the same. I was like, gotcha. Yeah,
0: and that's, so, that's what's important is that you – you know, it's try to eat twice as much as you're eating. And if, and, and like I said, if you're someone who's like, well, I just, I, I can't get my kids to eat that much. We'll put it in the sauce. Like we talked about earlier, put it in the, the actual spaghetti sauce. So it's grinded yeah. up so that you can't see it. But like I, I no joke. I've done this before. Like where we've had pasta and, I've put in, you know, Now we're omnivores, so we'll eat some meat. So I'll have some ground something in there and then uh, and then tons of those vegetables ground up in the food processor and then, and then like a tomato sauce. And uh, it will be over some kind of gluten-free pasta or something like that for the kids. And they'll go like, where's the vegetables? Because we're always used to having vegetables on the side. I'm like, and I always joke with them, well, tonight we're not eating them. But the whole – everything in the sauce is the vegetable. They just don't yeah. know it. Like it, the entire sauce is the vegetable. I put cauliflower, carrots, zucchini, uh, yellow squash, uh, mushrooms. I mean I add tons of vegetables in that sauce.
1: You just grind it up real fine. I
0: grind it up and you can't even see it. It looks, it looks like ground meat.
1: That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. I've never ground it up. I just put it in there chunky because that's what I like but – you know, I think that's what turns my son off sometimes because yeah, so he's like oh, – Yeah, grind
0: it up so it's minced, and I promise you, it, yeah. will, it will it will look like a bolognese. It will look it will look like it's ground-up meat tomato sauce. That's basically what it will look like.
1: Huh, that's awesome. Have yeah, to definitely you'll have do the that.
0: satisfaction of like it will still taste like tomato sauce because you yeah. made sure that that was the most dominant p- flavor, and you can still put in all the spices you would, you know, some oregano, yeah. basil, whatever you want to do, and you'll just have this big – grin on your face of like, man, my kids are eating, they're eating what I want yep. to eat. And he, there's, like, nothing I got more, you. there's nothing more satisfying I tr- than that.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the thing too. And that's, that's the constant battle. And, you know, I, I actually want to go back real quick. You were talking about, I know you wanted me on here to talk about eating fresh, but like, that's kind of why we do it this way. Cause it's just a conversation so like, this is totally about like getting your kids to eat healthy and stuff. And I yeah. think that's great. You know yeah. what I mean? Because I feel like a lot of people struggle with that Absolutely. and it's a common thing. You know, it's like my son will pick up a sweet potato and eat it in a heartbeat. But most kids' parents are like, I don't know. My kid won't eat carrots or anything. And I'm like, well, you just, that's what you give them. You know, you give them these options and they get used to it. They'll start to eat them. You know, they'll start to crave them. Yeah. Just like we would.
0: Well, and something we see a lot with clients is, um, you know, and this may make you laugh, but so we've had people come and they're like, I just, I don't, I can't, I can't get my kid to stop eating Cheerios. Like I, I just, they, they just, they just love them and they won't stop. And then we're like, well, how did they learn about Cheerios? Like who, who <laughs> taught them to eat Cheerio? Yeah. And there, and then the parent was like, oh yeah, I know. I, I, I put, so it's like, it's like, you know, the thing that we don't, if we don't, if there's something you don't want your kid to eat, don't, don't have it in the house.
1: Yeah.
0: Don't make it just, it's not an option. Yeah. You know, they'll, they'll discover it out in the world in their own time, but you don't need to help them. You don't need to help the process.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, and it's the same with like gluten free stuff and all that, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think – and actually, I thought about this a second ago. I think the world is actually getting more used to offering gluten-free options. It really seems – that because, I mean, in North Carolina, if you start seeing it, you know it's got to be big in other places. Definitely. So we're starting to see it, and they're treating it like it's a health concern now, which is good because, you know, a lot of people – I'm not going to say everybody, but there is a big portion of people that eat it for health reasons. Right. You know what I mean? Some people just eat it because it's the trend or something. Right. And I know people like that, but – You know, when you go and you're like, oh, I I don't eat meat or anything like we always told them that was an allergy thing. And then right then it was taken seriously. Right. So anytime you have that situation, you know what I mean? But I feel like it's starting to be accepted more. And that's why. And actually, I think it's good because you're starting to see healthier foods come out of the gluten free movement too, like more vegetables and stuff like that has really caught on. And I I equate it to that might be falsely, but that's what I equate it to
0: yeah i mean i'm definitely once again going back to the trends like uh, I d- definitely don't don't miss misunderstand like i don't necessarily i'm not trying to i'm not trying to say uh that gluten-free products are better than gluten-filled i'm more saying we eat gluten-free now i i there is a reason for it and i think that for most people it, it is better to be gluten-free but I think you run into the same problem you do with, like, say, being a vegan, right? Is like mm-hmm. you start to see all these products like, oh, this is vegan, this is that. It's like, but look at the ingredients and what is in that product. Like most gluten-free products, they're not healthy. They're right. not. It, they're just, it's just people that are marketing uh, towards it, the gluten-free trend, just like the vegan or plant-based trend. There's a lot of unhealthy vegan products out there. And it's
1: like gluten free ketchup. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's just, yeah, exactly. It's still sugar, it's still tomato yeah. sugar. It just doesn't have any wheat in it to thicken it or whatever it is. It's like, right. It's like, you know, definitely don't be duped in, into thinking that these trends equal health. I mean, I remember, oh man, this was so funny. Back in the day when organic was becoming a thing, I was at Trader Joe's and I was in line and there was this kid there was this kid talking to his mom and he had grabbed some chocolate and he said, mom, mom, can we get this? And this is still early enough where organic wasn't really like people didn't truly understand what it meant. And when mm-hmm. the kid was like, mom, mom, can we get this? He's like, mom, it's organic. That means it's healthy. Yep. And it's like, I had to laugh. I was like, well, just cause it's organic chocolate doesn't change the fact that it's chocolate. <laughs>
1: Well, you know, and I hear that today still, Yeah. you know, anytime Mm -hmm. you talk to somebody about what they're eating and they're like, well, I'm having, I eat organic and I'm like, I don't care if you eat organic, you know, that doesn't mean any difference. And you know, when I was talking about the gluten free, I don't mean that like all the products are healthy. I mean that like, and I feel like it's kind of like, okay, so you can't have bread, right? So let's find a way to make our food a little bit better somehow, but stay with because not being gluten free is fairly restrictive if you especially if you're eating whole foods. Totally. So there was a there was an, a need to, like you said, put a bunch of vegetables into your spaghetti sauce or something, you know. And I just feel like it kind of helped propel it forward. And I actually and you know, I can say this because I was a vegan for six years. I feel like veganism took vegetarianism and just made it worse because they just wanted to get all these junk foods and fake meats and stuff in there and kind of, you know, fill that void for people that they didn't have. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Oh,
0: totally. And, and, and I would offer to like – so for example, most people think of dinner like this is – so it's a spaghetti dinner with some kind of sauce and noodles and then bread, and they cannot imagine having spaghetti dinner without their garlic bread or some kind of bread, right? Mm-hmm. And you see this uh, at people's homes, and you definitely see this in restaurants. When they serve spaghetti, they always usually serve it with some kind of bread. And so when you go gluten-free, it's like, oh, man, like now I got to eat, you know, rice pasta. You know, you still have really a lot of options around gluten-free pastas, but they're, they're slightly different texture. But it's close enough where you're like, okay, I can still have my pasta. That's probably the one gluten-free thing that feels just like the gluten one. But then finding a really good gluten-free bread, that's more challenging. So particularly one that is somewhat healthy, there's really none. And um, really what they're doing is kind of similar to what the Beyond Meat is trying to do. They're just trying to recreate something so you feel like you're not missing out. But the reality is, is, is what I would try to tell people is like, I think the point, if you're, if you now are eating gluten free or if you're now vegan, it's not. The point is to try not to replicate what you were eating before. The point is is to just eat healthy. And so, what's right. healthy is not eating the bread. Right. It doesn't matter if it's gluten free or not. What's healthy is just not. If you're already getting pasta, which is a grain, you don't need yeah. more starch. No. You know what I mean? Like, because if we once again look at a plate, if if the spaghetti is the plate, you're. Most of your plate is now starch and we want it to be mostly vegetables. So unless your noodles are made from vegetables You're already not meeting the criteria when you have a spaghetti dinner You know, you know what I'm saying so yeah, I, I guess what I'm trying to advocate and, and tell people is like Instead of trying to replicate the thing that you're most comfortable with with challenge yourself to do things differently and to redefine what healthy is, because if you think healthy is having, you know, for some people having that dessert after every dinner, that's, then, then maybe you need to redefine that. Maybe healthy is not having the dessert every day. Maybe healthy is not having the bread or making the peanut butter and jelly sandwich for lunches. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, yeah, I think it, it's, it's a perfect time when you have to make a health change is to redefine what healthy is.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. And I mean, don't look for, you know, it's kind of hard to, you got to, most people go to a website and say, well, what's healthy? And at some point you kind of have to graduate from that and literally just break it down yourself and say, I don't think that this is healthy because bread with your spaghetti dinner, I mean, let's be honest, it's a vessel to carry your butter and your garlic on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, have you heard of the potato diet? I have. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I mean, I think it's a brilliant diet because... And for those who people who don't know, I'll explain it real quick. You eat potatoes for what is it like 20 days or something straight. Yeah. You so. can eat them any way you want, but you can't put anything on them and what you start to learn is that the potato is just a vessel to get
0: butter, oh. sour cream, yeah. salt, cheese All in you.
1: Yeah. So, once I and I haven't done it and I'm quite frankly not going to do it because that would be gross, but I can <laughs> I definitely look at things differently. I'm like, you know, am I eating this bread because I want the bread or am I eating it cuz I want the butter? And it's because I want the butter. Right. So then I just, you might as well just lick a spoon of butter. <laughs> no, totally. Totally. I,
0: I I think it's like, uh, I, I think there's a lot of traditions out there that mm-hmm. maybe need some support and being changed, you know, like the, you know, for someone that thinks they have to have a beer every time they eat something fried, um, yeah. you know, like there's just, there's these things that. They're just not healthy, no matter how you define them. And, and if you do it because you just want it, then that's great. You know, yeah, I'm not telling mm-hmm. you, I'm not telling you to, to not live life how you want it. But if you're doing it and saying, well, I'm healthy, you're not. You're not. Right. It's not, it's not healthy to need to do, to drink every time you come home, you know, or to drink alcohol with every meal. Um, it's not healthy to think you need to have everything be a sandwich, you know, yeah. where. But
1: at the same time, like it's not bad to have a beer, or you know, to drink, but just not daily or constantly. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Well, well, there are people that would argue with you on that. Like, so there. Let's put it this way: there isn't a good thing. There isn't something out there that's labeled good or bad that you can't find something. Like, and I'm talking well, yeah. kale. Like, you could find something bad about everything. Well, yeah, you can. Even the things like, oh, spinach, oxalates, you know, like you can, you can find something that's not good about them. So I, I always boil it down to like, like, and you, you know, you kind of talked about it earlier about how we, you know, we tend to sometimes make things harder than they have to be. Uh, I tend to just break it down. Like, well, what do you want to eat? Like, just, just simply what do you want to eat and then eat that. And then how do you feel eating it? And then, yeah. if you don't feel good, then now change what you eat. But, yeah. but you know what I mean. But just be in your body. Like I think a lot of times we are using food and alcohol and whatever as crutches to numb ourselves from feeling, you know, our lives or feeling whatever the feelings are. And so we create these stories that uh, that that we justify our choices. But the truth is, like even like like a lot of times I'll break down. Like, you know, there's always that argument. People are like, well, which is the better diet? You know, is it, is it being vegetarian or is it, is it eating meat? And I'm like, well, what do you want? Like, which yeah. do you want to eat? Cause it's really like, it's really up to you. I mean, it's your life.
1: Yeah. I don't think there's a right or a wrong diet. I think it's just the way you handle it. You know, yeah, and how, not, I've how never told feel, anybody. Right? Like yeah.
0: how, how are you feel it? Like if you, cause you could be someone that you have one drink with your food and you don't feel good but then there's That's another person <laughs> then I
1: don't drink at all so
0: okay so then there's another person though that will have a drink and and they do feel good you know so it's like right. you know i think i think we do things until they don't work but the problem is, is is that for a lot of people they're still doing the things even though things aren't working they just don't they're not in their bodies they don't they're not checking in with themselves and be like well how do i feel they either don't know to check in or they're just checked out you know what I'm saying? So yeah. they, they don't realize that food is affecting their health issue or they're just, they're just numb. They just eat whatever they eat. And then they feel, you know, like it's not normal to feel bloated. It's not, you shouldn't have to undo your belt buckle when you eat, after you eat a meal, you know, <laughs> yeah. but, but growing up, that's how it was. Right. I yeah. remember those days. I mean, yeah. Growing up, I would undo my belt or my, see my dad do it. It was like, this is what it means to feel like you just ate really well. It's like, no, yeah. now we know better.
1: Like now, you know, you've eaten too much. Yeah. That's reserved for Thanksgiving and Christmas in my house. And that's it. <laughs> you know, those are the only two days you're allowed to do that. Totally. And wearing sweatpants when you go to eat does not count. So
0: <laughs> you remember those, uh, those, those pants, uh, the, uh, the hammer pants. Like I think that, yes. you know, having, have an elastic band, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, they're coming back too. I know. How it's, scary is that? That's
0: why I most, won't be rocking them. Most chef pants are elastic. Yeah,
1: that's why is that? I guess because you got to move around a lot.
0: Yeah, it's I mean, there's a lot of different reasons. But I, I mean, I joke that it's because, you know, sh- chef's weight fluctuates so much, you know, So, that, but it's it's pro- yeah. it's mostly because of, you know, moving around, um, well, you know,
1: I, I listened to um back in the day, I was listening to this lady. I don't know if she still has a podcast around the happy herbivore. And she was saying, you know, talking about chefs and weight. She was saying that a lot of people actually gain weight because while they cook, they munch. And so right. they were like, "It doesn't matter, like you could be eating baby carrots, but if you eat too many, you're still taking in too many calories, so you had to be careful so totally
0: but, totally. Can you read that? okay,
1: yeah. um, so um we have three questions we ask everybody, okay on this show before we go, and we're going to have to alter them a little bit because you don't have a garden, which is no. okay when nobody's shaming you. I think it's awesome I, actually. I think it's great that you do the farmer's market because a lot of people don't do that. So, um, and that's going to be one of them is, you know, what is your favorite part about going to the farmer's market?
0: Uh, well, so I'll, I'll, I'll go in a little bit more depth with it. So in case people don't know, um, one of the best ways to f- shop at the farmer's market is to join a CSA. If, if you're not familiar with that, um, and that's basically what you're doing when you join a CSA is your, 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 You're finding a farm that that participates in that program, and you're investing in them. So you're basically saying, okay, I'm going to pay you whatever they charge for, uh, I I guess, not a plot, but basically for for that CSA's time frame. So maybe it's six months or something. So for six months, let's say it costs $500. So you're going to give them $500 in advance so they know that they have already sold the food that they made um, even before it's grown and um okay and so uh, in the farm that i like the farmer's market i go to we usually there's this this farm that we we join and i think it's like 375 for the season and um and then so every time i go to the farmer's market i get a certain amount of vegetables from them and, and it okay. changes every day it changes every week you know depending on the crops and and i never know exactly what i'm going to get but i go there and sometimes they have bonuses because you, you know you're supporting their farm. Um, but if, so
1: you like the surprise.
0: Yeah, it's kind of fun. <laughs> some people, some CSAs deliver to your house. So there's lots of ways if you have a story around, you know, like I can't make it to a farmer's market or I don't, um, I don't know how to cook with these items or something like that. Right. Um, a good CSA will actually give you guide. They'll either deliver to your house and, or they'll give you recipes for the food that you're getting.
1: Oh that's nice. Yeah, that's I didn't know they did that. Our guy does that every
0: every um week when he sends an email about what they're going to have at the market he also includes a recipe that inc- that's the recipe is using some of the food. Um, okay. So I that's kind of what I love. I just love the community uh, and I love kind of like what we talked about earlier. I love seeing vegetables that I wouldn't normally see at a grocery store cuz grocery stores they, you know, it's all about money. And yeah. they, they they need to only get vegetables that they know are going to sell, and so they, if they have any kind of freaky vegetables or things that people aren't used to cooking, they can't risk not selling those. Right.
1: But a farmers so, market can. So here's a trick question, not a trick question, but it's everybody gets caught off guard. Is um, can you give everybody an easy recipe for what that would be? Um, well, that's up to you, but basically what we usually do is try and go with like a springtime vegetable because this is coming out in the spring. So usually something based around that. Uh, how about you pick the vegetable? Okay, you want me to pick the vegetable. Sure. Let's see, spring. Let's say kale. Okay, great. So kale chips, that's an easy one. So you
0: take uh, a bowl and you add some fat. Um, once again, that's going to determine on you know what diet you follow. So if you're vegetarian or vegan, I think coconut oil is great. If you're um, not um, like Ghee. ghee, well, if you're vegetarian, you can still do ghee, but uh, ghee is also a really good option. Ghee is clarified butter for those that don't know. So the dairy is 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 uh, removed from it and you just have the fat, which is really – it's a very healthy, clean fat to cook with. And um, you put that in the bowl. You melt it because those are usually solid at room temperature. So you got to put put the bowl or melt them on the stove or something, get it melted, and then add some seasoning. So if you want to keep it really simple, salt. Um, if you want to get a little more fancy, you could add some onion, granulated onion, some granulated garlic, some paprika, smoked paprika. You could even add nutritional yeast. So mix those into the fat and then, uh, you're now using kale. And what you want to do is you want to pull the kale leaves off of the stems so that you're mostly just getting leaves because the stems are going to cook at a different rate than the leaves and you want everything to cook at the same amount of time so you can just pull the stem or the leaves right off the stem and you can you one of the fastest ways to do it is you grab in one hand you grab the end of the stem and then with the other you just take your your hand and you kind of like uh go along the stem and the leaf just kind of falls right off i don't know i don't know how to better describe that but it's like it's kind of like your like a ripcord. Yeah, like a ripcord, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you do that, and then you chop up the leaves so they're bite size. Mix them in the in the seasoned fat, and then uh, put it in the oven at around. You don't want it too high because they can burn. It can cook really fast. Sometimes get burned, but so like a three seventy five is is pretty good. And then how our, long? And uh, I would do that for. You got to watch it, but I would I, usually I would say because it depends on, you know how much kale you put on the, on the tray or whatever. Um, but I would say check it after 10 minutes and then keep checking it thereafter every five minutes until it looks crispy, but not
1: burnt. Right. Yeah. Awesome. And then the last one is your favorite fruit or vegetable.
0: You know, my favorite, uh, well, you know, my favorite right now is, um, is cauliflower. And, um, I think it's my favorite right now, just because it's so versatile. Like you can you can steam it and just have it in. Like you basically can cut it almost like you would like a like a slab. Um, mm-hmm. So cut it in a bunch of different slabs. You could put that on the grill. You know, you'd have to you know kind of coat it just like you would uh, something else, like a portobello – Treat it like a portobello mushroom. So you would coat it with some oil or something like that, salt it up, and then put it on put it on a grill and grill it. And then you have almost like these these thick cauliflower slices and they they crisp up and it's really tasty um and they're kind of buttery they're naturally buttery um or you can you can put it in a food processor and mince it up and it turns into like almost like a couscous or a rice and you can lightly steam it if you wanted to and then it's it's a really good uh replacement for rice or couscous or anything like that And then, uh, the other thing you can do with it is you can, uh, roast it, do it the same way I told you with the kale chips, but just roast it. And, and it gets, particularly if you cut it up really small, it gets so crispy and it's, it's just so, like I said, it's naturally buttery. Um, and it's just, when it gets all crispy, I, I haven't found a kid yet that won't love it. Like that, my kids go crazy over it. It's just like, it's like crispy, like. I don't even know what to compare it to because it's it's not like a potato, but it's just it's just crispy goodness, you know. And you just pop it; in, they pop it in their mouth, and you just feel like it's chips or or something, even though it's not chips at all.
1: So I don't like cauliflower, and you just made me want to eat it. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. So now I'm gonna go get some cauliflower. You should definitely try the roasting the
0: cauliflower in the oven because that it, okay. it it's uh, you know I I always find people that don't like something it's probably because how, when they were growing up, someone cooked it very poorly. Like they made like, like Brussels yes. sprouts, you talk to people and they're like, Oh, I hate Brussels sprouts. They're so mushy. I'm like, well, that's because of how you were raised eating them. Yeah.
1: Because if you- I won't confirm nor deny that, cause my mom might be listening to this. So I won't say either <laughs> way. Yeah.
0: But- so, so definitely it, it's a, uh, it's always possible to change the, uh, change the script with food by just cooking it in a different way. And uh, if, if you're not sure how to cook, just do a search online. Just you know, um, even like with cauliflower, just do a search and you'll see probably 30 different ways to do cauliflower. It's such a popular okay. vegetable right now. One of the products that's coming in the stores right now is cauliflower flour, or, or yeah, cauliflower flour. So it's for people, you know, like you're seeing cauliflower uh, pizza crust stuff like that. Yeah. So you're going to start seeing cauliflower flour for baking more and more often.
1: Interesting. Yeah. I'd fun. give it a shot though. I'd try it. It's, I would it's definitely different. try
0: it. It's different, but you know, once again, going back to that idea of like, oh, well I'm getting, I'm baking something, but it's a vegetable, right? right? So you're making banana muffins, but you're using cauliflower flour. So suddenly you feel better as a parent for it. You know, I think that's,
1: yeah. that's where a lot of these trends come from. It's worth a shot. Yeah. So tell everybody where they can find you.
0: Yeah, so we're uh I'm at eatnakedkitchen.com um and on uh social media just uh Chef James Barry that's with an A B A R R Y uh Instagram uh I'm posting pretty regularly and um I we always try to provide lots of health tips but also like how-tos you know from cooking videos recipes to just simply like something i do during the summer when we're at the farmer's market i I do this series where i show you what i bought all week and then i take um, photos of the actual individual vegetables and i talk about how to use them i talk about um, uh, what benefits they provide and then sometimes if i really have my act together then i show you a dish that i made using them but, you know, with kids, it's, there's no guarantee of consistency.
1: I laugh because I feel your pain on that one. I <laughs> yeah. feel your pain. So, well, man, I appreciate you coming on. I had a great conversation. So, um, I look you. forward to maybe talking to you again once you get your your secret release out.
0: Yeah, for sure. And uh,
1: we'll go from there. So, thank you for and, having man, be me. Safe. There. Yeah, be safe. Yeah, be safe through all this stuff, too, man. We'll be uh, thinking about you and all that. So,
0: ditto, ditto.
1: All right. Well, everybody, uh, we'll talk to you guys later and we'll wrap it up. I hope you enjoyed our conversation today. You can find us at Backyard Gardens, the movie on Facebook and Backyard Gardener on Instagram. And YouTube is Backyard Gardener, where I'm doing videos showing cooking and building gardens and gardening tips, all kinds of good stuff. And you can find Batavia at.
0: You'll find me on
1: Instagram at B underscore Better Garden. And then you'll find me on Facebook, same name. And then I'm also over on YouTube at Be Better Garden. I am sharing hashtag Garden Joy every chance I get. I hope you enjoy. So if you have any questions, hit us up on all of our platforms, anywhere you want, and we will be more than happy to help you with what you can. And again, thanks for listening, and we will see you guys next time. Cut. Now you know why people feel like celebrating
0: at harvest time. All over the world, people have feasting and good times when the crops have been gathered in.